Oh, and we are an hour and 15 minutes away from kickoff from Thursday Night Football. Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, Nick Ashew. We got ourselves the Jags and the Saints. Oh, yeah. Oh, who's ready for it? I just hope these offenses don't look terrible, but also enough to hit the under. I think that's kind of where we're going. Though. By the way, thank you to our, our friends, 106.7 The Fan. Uh, giving us a temporary studio, and by that I mean a really awesome studio tonight. You can see us on Twitch. You can see us on YouTube. Uh, This is where one of the most iconic morning shows in the country has been going on for the last 25 years, not just this studio, but we're in here tonight. There's a party downstairs in the big performance studio where our studio is, so they said, you know what? You might have some excess noise. Let's go ahead and bring you up here. So that's exactly what they did, and we're sitting uh, sitting pretty comfortable right now, I'd say. I walked down there thinking we would record some promos because I didn't know what we were going to have up here. And uh, I'm walking down our little hallway stairs, and the woman's like, um, you good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And she's like, uh, no, like, what are you doing here? Like, That was the nice way of saying it. It was like, uh, and she's like, I just want to make sure you can get in. And I was like, oh, no, this is, like, my space. Like, I totally forgot that the party would be happening right then. And I'm, like, walking in, and it's like, because my heart beats so empty. And I was like, oh, man, if I wasn't working tonight, I Mm -hmm. would be here. Yeah, they got food, they got drinks. Looks like a good time. You, sh- you should have hit them with the beat the books. You should have been like, did you know mm-hmm. that the Jags are actually 7-2 and two against the spread <laughs> in their last nine? <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for this game. I'm actually a little surprised Trevor Lawrence is going to give it a go. I bet the Saints on the money line. We talked about this. I didn't think there was any shot he was actually going to play because short week, dealing I... with a knee injury, and you have 10 days of rest after this. And, and like, wow. let's be honest, that's, that's not a very good division. I mean, the Texans are much better than we all expected. I don't feel very good about the Colts with Gardner Minshew moving forward. And then the Titans, we have no clue what they are. Uh, So I'm a little surprised he's going to give it a go tonight. And I'm actually surprised that the number's still sitting there. Uh, The Saints, two-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Can I be honest with you? You got it one? I just bet the money line, minus 110. You got got the money line when it was Saints minus one. Oh, yeah, yeah. It went back to one, and I was like, there's no chance Lawrence is going to play. And uh, I still have to see it to believe it, but, I mean, it looks like he's going to go. Yeah, he's warming up right now. Oh, okay. Like, all right, well. T-Law. Don't do it, bro. Just take the L or remain competitive. It's just not a game you really want to risk it. And remember, like, we've seen a lot of games where Saints defense can get you hurt. Yeah. We've seen that multiple times against teams that they've played against where their quarterback has been hampered in the past year. So I wouldn't mess around with it if I was Doug Peterson. I think, listen, listen, I'm no doctor. Yeah. And I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express. That's not still a thing. Is it a thing? I don't know if it's still a thing. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't put I them know. out there tonight on this short rest. When you got Maybe their thought process, I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit with you guys. Okay. Maybe the thought process is, okay, ETN's been hot. He's been our best offensive weapon. We go heavy on him, even though the Saints defense is one of the best in the NFL. And then we see how Trevor Lawrence looks. If we need to, we go to C.J. Beathard. And then we know that Trevor's got 10 days to sit back and recover and get that knee back to where we need it to be. The problem is, I'm sure, assuming there's nothing structural, that's right, right? You wouldn't put him out there if it could get worse structurally. Mm-hmm. If it's just a pain tolerance thing, I do get it. But we're talking about a knee. This isn't a finger. This is, like, this is something that we know. We've seen it time and time again where knee injuries are just, even with the medical technology we have today, it's only something that can be a little bit scarier when it's your franchise quarterback. Yeah, so the yeah. line opened up at Jags minus one and a half, and now it's Jags plus two and a half. Yeah. Is Trevor Lawrence worth four points? Yeah, especially mm-hmm. with, with the... With Beathard? Uh, oh especially when you consider the drop-off as far as the backup quarterback, C.J. Beathard, like you said. And also, like, this is just a bad spot, I feel, for Jacksonville. They've played three games in 12 days. 
talked about it. You know, they've spent two weeks in That's London. That's ridiculous. Then they come back. And, Nick, I agree. Like, you know, maybe they're thinking tonight they could lean on uh, Travis Etienne. The only thing is, are they going to be able to run the ball on the Saints? You know, and that's again. I'm playing devil's advocate when I say that it's not my choice. It's yeah. not something I would do. But I'm assuming they had enough conversations with doctors that gave them the okay and said that this is what you do. And then maybe again, it's a it's a feeling it out. And you know, he may not play the whole game. We'll get some out of him and then see where it goes. Yeah, I uh, there's yeah, a couple a props suspect. I like, but I, I do still like the Saints in that one. Uh, what are you guys on tonight? While we have a chance here, we got a few minutes to throw this in now. I'd say let's throw in at least. Maybe not even all of them because we're going to get to some props later, but any sides or totals. You said that you're only on the money line, right? Yeah, I like the Saints. I didn't I like play any Jags back. Uh, if we got to three, maybe I'd play some Jacksonville back at three. I don't know, though. I'm just going to stick with the Saints. Like, they need this one. The offense hasn't looked good. Uh, go on with the under, though. Yeah, I like the under. I mean, it's moved. It ticked up from 39 to 40 and a half. And I just truthfully don't believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be fully healthy. And you look at the statistics for him when he's under pressure. He's been sacked like 20% of the time. When you've got a bum wheel and you're not able to roll out of the pocket and get busy, which is where Trevor Lawrence is most effective, uh, I think that this could be a, an ugly game uh, in terms of for the offense. Like Now, I do like some props. I think Christian Kirk is live here. I think for him in the slot, he's yeah. going to be very active. But I don't expect Trevor Lawrence to have a, a monster day. And to me, if there's a bunch of three and outs, and the Saints are, are prime for that. That's like what they love to do is just make it ugly and gross at home. I think that that number 40 and a half since it's ticked up is kind of an overcorrection for Trevor Lawrence being quote-unquote in. Yeah, yeah. See, uh, actually, I'll throw one prop out there because I'm going to maybe add a couple here too, but I did bet um, – Elvin Kamara, we talked about oh, this last that. night, Nick. Over mm-hmm. four and a half receptions. Oh, I'm on it. Oh, yes. did it move up to four? Yeah. And oh, I got it at three and a half. So, oh, so, so good. did I. That's why I wanted to throw yeah, it out there. It's, yes. also, it's also minus 155 right now. So it's heavily over juiced. four and a half? Yeah. I don't even know if I'd bet that at that price. And I get it. Like, yeah. reason being, you know, Tyson Campbell, he's been banged up for the Jags. So they have their seventh round pick, uh, Buster Brown. And he's played 55 snaps in the last two years. And, you know, he got torched for six catches on eight targets. And I just feel like tonight. That's, that's going to be what we see. Like, Derek Carr has not looked very good, obviously, Mm-mm. this season. Bad in the red zone, too. Really yeah. bad in the red and, zone. And this is what I was, like, talking about last year, where he didn't look very good, he didn't look right, and I didn't get the excuse last year with the Raiders because you would figure he was dead last in the red zone uh, as far as passing efficiency last year as well. And you look at all the targets that, that they had, all the weapons, I should say, and you had Hunter Renfro, you had Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. who, like, it's a cheat code. All you do is you throw him the back shoulder in the back of the end zone and he catches the touchdown 95% of the time. And you had Darren Waller. Granted, he was banged up, and he just didn't look right. And that's kind of the same that he looks. I know he's he's injured. Their offensive line's a little bit uh, banged up, so they've had to change some um, protection schemes. But I think it's going to be a lot of dump-offs to Kamara. Like, I expect this number to go over, hopefully, by the uh, third quarter. It has yeah. the feel of, of Travis Etienne and Alvin Kamara. Jamal Williams, they're expecting to play, though. But, I mean, I don't know how much maybe goal line situations for him. The issue with that is that may be the type of thing where you may eat a touchdown that Alvin Kamara could have. So I'd be careful on betting if you haven't already, and Alvin Kamara touchdown just because Jamal Williams, they may try to get him involved in that sense. That's what he did in Detroit. Yeah. But the thing, too, if you're looking at, we talk about Trevor Lawrence's health and how ETN's going to be so important. Trevor Lawrence is much better when he's throwing from outside the pocket, not inside. But does he have the mobility to get outside the pocket? He's 15th in success rate throwing from the pocket. He's 8th 
outside the pocket. He's comfortable out there. That works for him. The problem is now you're not going to necessarily be your normal self. So how much does that affect it? How much more do you see quicker passes? Do you see him getting the ball out of his hands in you know two and a half seconds just to make sure that the pass rush doesn't do anything? Like There's a lot of that you have to scheme for now. You're not getting a full or even close to most likely – uh, Trevor Lawrence out there. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I've only played the same uh, the Camara prop so far. What have, yep. you, have you guys done anything with Jacksonville? Because the only reason I stayed away is I didn't know who the hell the quarterback was going to be tonight. I like Christian Kirk, especially if I mean Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Obviously, being in this game is huge. Christian Kirk's number fifty one and a half yards receiving. That's minus one thirty. Uh, here's the thing: the last time that Trevor Lawrence faced a pass rush that hammered him, that was Week Two against the Chiefs. And so you're wondering, okay, how did Christian Kirk do in that matchup? 14 targets, 11 catches, 110 yards. I think Max Crosby is coming for that ass, and and I could see a very similar scenario where Christian Kirk is operating in the slot. He's getting some dump-offs as well. Him and ETN, I feel, are going to be the focal point of this offense. So I I like that. Uh, I wouldn't hate Christian Kirk over four and a half receptions, like I said. Uh, If he's going to be targeted over 10 times, four and a half feels a little soft to me. But um, ETN over 16 and a half carries. This is something that I feel like they have to do and lean on, especially considering that, like I said, Trevor Lawrence just, I don't think he's going to be able to do much, and that's going to be the only way I believe they're going to be able to establish some sort of offense without just going three and out, three and out, especially if if we see a defense from the Raiders that they're starting to, to really come to play a lot more. I do have a Calvin Ridley receiving prop, but it's part of a parlay, and it's an alternate line, so it's just 50-plus receiving yards. For that specific reason, I was concerned about the Saints' defense. I was concerned about Trevor Lawrence, but I figured that's a lower number when I can be at least a little more comfortable with it. But I do have one other Jags prop, and we're going kicker. Brandon McManus over one and a I half don't hate field that goals. Because these are, the, especially, for I took both kickers, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, both kickers over one and a half field, I like that. field goals. because Such Saint, an underplay. Uh, yeah, and not just that. They're like, the Saints are not good in the red zone. Like I said, tr- Derek Carr is one of the worst quarterbacks in the red zone this year in the NFL. That offense has stalled. It's been massively disappointing. Yeah. And even the Jags, they've underachieved offensively. Their defense has been their strong suit this year. So, again, a lot of these Thursday night football games, there's a reason why I bet the under on this. And you think, well, you might as well jump in on a couple of kicker props, maybe early in this game, especially where offenses are really kind of stagnant. They don't have much of a rhythm. And you're ending things at the 27-yard line, and you're kicking field goals that way. Yeah. Uh, I do love, uh, and you guys mentioned Alvin Kamara receptions. I like his yards, too. It's gone from 29 and a half to 31 and a half. I don't really care. He's uh, hit that two or three times, but here's the thing. like The Jaguars are giving up a ton of yards to running backs. I think they're getting like six and a half receptions on average and over 40 receiving yards, so... I like Alvin Kamara to get busy as well. I completely agree. I'm going to add that too because, like, you look at it in the Jags. The reason being, I mean, they're only getting they're 24th right now in pass rush win rate, so they're blitzing a ton, which mm-hmm. is opening up the receiving game for these opposing backs. So that's why I, I really like the receiving yards. I like the rushing yards. I'm going to do the rushing, or I mean, the receiving. I'm going to do the receiving and the rushing and the receptions over four and a half. Yeah, and you can get over receiving and rushing at 49 and a half for Kamara, and that's that's got the best odds at minus 115. So. Since he's come back, he's hitting that every single game. This is a great reason, though, and a great example of why sometimes it is best to bet early on props. Kamara was at 27.5 receiving yards a day ago. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, it, po- it, it opened at a 27.5, and, and I took the over on that, knowing, they're like, and th- again, we're on everything that we've said about the way these offenses should look makes total sense, and these are the right spots to be in. It's Thursday yeah. Night Football, though, and it concerns me because we know weird stuff always happens in these games. I just had this feeling, guys, and I hate to say it, 
Something weird's going to happen tonight in this game. Some weird play, something that doesn't make sense. Maybe it's just something as simple as like a fumble six. Yeah. Where I, it just, I just have this feel of something weird happening on the field. Well, what's weird about the game is, um, you know, it's Thursday night football. All these totals continue to go under, and it's two banged up quarterbacks because yeah. Derek Carr's also not healthy. Trevor Lawrence, you didn't even know he was going to play in this game. But you look at the like receptions uh, market right now, and everybody is heavily juiced. And I think the reason being, you know, maybe because that's what they're looking at is these quarterbacks are going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. There's probably going to be a bunch of underneath stuff. But I wanted to look at like Chris Olave tonight, right? But his receptions now four and a half, and it's juiced minus one fifty to the Gross. over. And this is why I always talk about like we play our overs on Wednesdays, Thursdays, or I'm sorry, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, whenever we get the chance. And then you come back on these unders because even like Michael Thomas, we talked with Dan Karpik about this last night. Mm-hmm. Now the receptions, four and a half is minus four, 140 for him, too. That's so ridiculous. I, just, I, do still I, like, do here. I do still like Olave's receiving yards because that's minus Same. 110, 63 and a half. Here's the deal, man. When Carr is healthy, he's done well. Four out of four games uh, that that's happened when Carr has been healthy. But you talk about what the Jags have done to number one receivers. So you have. Pittman went off for 96 yards. Davis, Gabe Davis went off for 104 yards. Uh, Nico Collins went off for 86 yards. And Stephon Diggs, 112 yards. So, on average, all of them at getting you know somewhere in the 100-yard bri- mark. Yeah. So, for Chris Olave to only be 63.5 and Derek Carr to be fully healthy, which I think he is, that's what they say, uh, I think that's a really good number, especially considering the odds are only minus 110. Yeah, and it only went up three yards because that was one that I jotted down on Monday that I really liked. I mean, he leads the Saints in targets, 53. And I know Michael Thomas has looked all right a couple weeks, but... I think he gets the targets. He's cleared the line in four or six games. Like you said, and Derek Carr got injured week four against Green Bay with the shoulder injury. And then, you know, week five, he turned his ankle. And that's the reason he didn't go over in that game. And Jacksonville six in DVOA against the run. The one area you could attack him is through the air. And it's probably going to be a bunch of underneath stuff. Yeah. But I do think that they're going to be able to hit a couple explosives. And that's why I like the yards, too. It's 62 and a half now, minus 115. I'm in on that, too. Olave, for sure. Actually, I, did, I had an Olave too. I did, I, and it was yeah, it was sixty two and a half. So I feel, uh, I feel like this is going to be yeah. This there's a lot of, for a game that we expect to go under though. There's quite a few offensive props that are involved. Well, uh, in some of this, but there's well, not really any yards, not points. Well, we said the Saints move the ball. Yep. They just can't score. It's they can't punch it in once they get into 20. the red zone. So, oh man, how many you know teams? I mean? That's that's why that how many how many teams actually. have we watched? Yeah, how many teams have we watched in the NFL over the years though that are great between the twenties? You know, like the it's a it's a nice little sandwich until they get in that red zone and then they can't do a thing anymore. So, especially yeah. now, especially now. Man. I mean, like it's harder than ever to score in the National Football League. It's scoring's down. I told you guys, I saw college scoring is down. Much better product hey, right now. We watched a hor- two horrible teams play college football last night, but you know what? The game uh, in the end no, no, no. was fun. Well, except oh, no, yeah, sorry, we, 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 yeah, we 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 moved on. Let's talk about fantasy with Paul Charchian instead. The yeah. legend charge coming up. It's Bet MGM tonight. Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Less than an hour away from kickoff Thursday Night Football. Got the Phillies and Diamondbacks tied up on here now, guys. Look at those, those scrappy Diamondbacks trying to stay alive. Love yeah. It. Love it. A lot of people like the Diamondbacks tonight. You guys bet the Diamondbacks No, tonight? I did not. No. no. Not I don't have any I faith saw. in them. None. Zero. There's a reason why They're I bet Houston last night. I trusted Houston in that spot, just given the fact that they've got experience. They know Altuve's what it's like to play with the, perf- the pressure, all of those things. It's another situation, though, if you're talking about the Diamondbacks, who won 84 games this year. And at the same time, you look and go, yeah, you kind of like exceeded expectations. It's not the same as the Astros. So even if the Diamondbacks win, I will feel good not betting them tonight. 
Yeah, I don't have anything in baseball actually tonight. I'm, I'm staying away. I got the Phillies future, so I'm just uh, cheering them on every single night. Yay, Phillies! Nothing in Astros Rangers. I would actually uh, lean Houston tonight, though, guys. Minus 110, the price. I yeah. kind of like the under, but I'm going to stay away, and I'm just all in on the Saints. And I don't feel as good as I did about 24 hours ago when I thought that we were going to get C.J. Beathard in this game. All right, let's bring in our buddy Paul Charchi and Chief Execution Officer GuillotineLeagues.com, KFAN in Minneapolis. Uh, we've got our we're, we're, so it's it's, it's interesting, Charch, because we're sitting here last segment and really leading up to this game, and you're going, okay, is Trevor Lawrence going to play? Is he not? Uh, I mean, fantasy props, it's all kind of the same here with this. What do you even mm-hmm. expect tonight in terms of a Trevor Lawrence type of performance, given that it's a major question mark with his knee? Yeah, that's a question mark. Um, I I don't know that it'll affect it. It will well, obviously it'll affect his running. So mm-hmm. you know if we're and that was something he was a sneaky runner, right? You know he finished most seasons like four and five rushing touchdowns, and he'd chip in a few yards here and there, and even a few design runs. All that's off the board. So there'll be a few more passes in this game. I expect the arm to be okay. I, you know he didn't get obviously didn't get a lot of work in a short week of practice uh, with a leg, but I don't care. I you know you know he knows what he's doing from a passing standpoint and. I think we're going to see plenty of passing in this game. It's just going to be very highly targeted, and they're going to be very smart about where the passing goes for Trevor Lawrence, which brings me, if I can just go right to my favorite play of the night. Yes, can you we can. Go right there. Go right That's to right it. Go right there, Charge. Right. Tell us. I, I love Christian Kirk tonight. So his over-under uh-huh. is four and a half, and I love the anytime touchdown. Let's talk it through, and it's a little bit complicated, but not a lot. I think – you know, even Ryan can keep up with this. You ready? Oh, my God. <laughs> go. Great shot. Love it. <laughs> the the outside cornerbacks for the Saints are fantastic. Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo. They combine to allow, combined, two and a half catches per game. That's it. So that's the outside cornerbacks. So what does everybody do? They pound the middle of the field with their slot receivers. That brings us to Christian Kirk, who runs the majority of his routes from the slot. The guy that the out the corner that they uh, that they use the Saints use is a guy named Alante Taylor. He's their slot cornerback, and he's awful. He's allowed 300 passing yards in his coverage already. That's 14th most in the league. And get this, he's picked on so much. He's seen more targets at him than any player in the league at any position. Jeez. 51 targets have already come at Alante Taylor, the slot cornerback, lining up opposite Christian Kirk. There's our four-and-a-half receptions. Now, there's no Zay Jones on the field. That's going to free up five targets per game. Some of that goes to Christian Kirk. And since the opener, Christian Kirk's averaging six-and-a-half receptions anyway in neutral matchups, this is an extremely positive one. So roll all that together. Alante Taylor's given up three touchdowns in his coverage already. I love the four and a half receptions. I like the anytime touchdown Christian Kirk as well. I think he's the pivot play in the game tonight, and my, all of my favorite bets run through him. Ooh, tell me about what you think of Alvin Kamara in this matchup because we know that the Jags give up a lot of yards to opposing running backs. Also receptions, I think, on average over six and a half and like over 40 yards. Do you like Alvin Kamara in this game too? You know, I do, and it's so chalky. You know, I was looking at his number. I think his his reception number is like 35 and a half, something like that. 31 and a half. Thank you, 31 and a half. And I'm like, oh, man, that's. It's tempting because he's going to get all. He's going to see a lot of receptions, and you're right that that's 
that is an opportunity for them. Jacksonville just allowed the Colts running back to catch 11 passes for 84 yards. And that's not normal. You know, they don't normally give that, that much. But on the season, the Jags are 30th in receptions and 26th in receiving yards allowed to the position. So there are just going to be a lot of opportunities for Kamara. I was worried about that number, but if you're going to go one way on it, I, I would take the over on a team that's uh, giving up six and a half receptions per game just to the running back position. Yeah, Paul, moving on uh, a couple more games this weekend. I was looking at Denver-Green Bay just because Jordan Love hasn't looked very yeah. good the last two weeks, but now he's going against Denver's defense. I think that's a great matchup, hopefully, for Jordan Love and for Aaron Jones if he's able to give it a go and Matt LaFleur gives him the touches. What do you think about this spot here for Green Bay and for Jordan Love? Well, Denver's the ultimate get-right spot for Jordan Love, right? The play has been super ugly. Uh, the slow processing, the awful accuracy. I mean, when he drops back to pass, you can he's working so hard you can almost smell the, the the synapses firing in his head right you know and then he's just spraying balls all over the field and it's not because he doesn't have time the Packers are actually one of the best pass blocking teams in the NFL they rank fourth best by pro football focus fifth best in pass block win rate but the good thing about love and why I think he has a big game here is he's got all the right traits that we want, especially from a fantasy standpoint. He's got the big arm for downfield delivery, and we don't really care that he's that he doesn't that he sprays the ball around. He's not that accurate from a fantasy standpoint, and he's got the mobility. So Denver's allowed the second most fantasy points to quarterback. They've allowed the most passing yards, the most passing touchdowns. Three state street quarterbacks have run for twenty five or more rushing yards. So I feel like it all comes together here. I think we get the bounce back game from for Jordan Love that he needs to have. Talking to Paul Charchi and BetMGM tonight. Uh, Justin Jefferson's going to miss some time. I know this is dear and close to your heart up there in uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, I we, yeah. we, we, like. There's no way that you can replace somebody like that, right? There's always the cliche of like next man up. Come on. There's no such thing as another Justin Jefferson out there. But what do we do if somebody's looking at anything Vikings related, or they're looking to maybe replace him in their lineup, or they're looking to find me target somebody else uh, in the props market as well in terms of receivers maybe for the Vikings? Yeah, this is a tricky spot. Mm-hmm. So we've got a one-game sample size of life without Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings, and it ain't good. The Vikings last week, their offense generated one touchdown. They ran the ball for two yards per carry, and Kirk Cousins threw for 180 yards against the Bears. Ugh. So where does that leave fantasy owners for Monday night in the the tight end landscape being what it is? You have to start TJ Hawkinson. You don't really have a choice. You know, he's still a high-volume player, although not playing all the – well, by the way, got paid, got the big fat contract in August. He's had seven contested catch opportunities. He's dropped six of the seven. He's only made the one catch. Um, so you got to start Hawkinson it, just on sheer volume. Second most t- uh, targeted tight end in the league. But what about Kirk Cousins? I think that's a much trickier gray area, given that he was very good. He's still the league leader in touchdown passes, even after the uh, the lousy game last week. But this is a really tough matchup against San Francisco, obviously. Number one in coverage, number one in pass rush by pro football focus. The hope here is that the Vikings' improved offensive line can give him a little bit of time, and maybe there's a ray of hope against a great secondary. Niners have played a super weak schedule of quarterbacks. The only Cousins-level quarterback to face San Francisco is Matthew Stafford. He threw for 307 yards and a touchdown, so... Maybe you could start. Uh, maybe you could start Kirk Cousins. I don't love it, but you could, you know, you could do worse in a pinch. And it's the bye week. 
with six teams off and everybody's hurt, so it's kind of a pinch. Yeah, Charge, I have uh, I have six players that are all on by on my fantasy. Oh. Yeah, six. So oh. it's very – it's not looking good. There's a lot, a lot of Ingram – uh, backup running backs in the in the, yes. in the flex spot, but you you mentioned tight ends, and I am curious about one tight end in particular who used to be like a top three, not three tight end in fantasy, and that's Darren Waller. He just hasn't really looked himself. The Giants' offense is abysmal. I think it's the worst offensive line in the last three years, probably every single year. What do you do if you have him? Is he a is he a trade candidate? I mean, do you keep starting him? Do you find somebody else on like a streaming basis? Ah, uh, Krista, this has been a wreck for Darren Waller, hasn't it? You know, you know, he was went off the board as tight end four in Ugh. the preseason. Right now, tight end sixteen. No touchdowns for Darren Waller to this point in the season. I'm going to choose to be optimistic about this, though, and hope that you know, like it can't get any worse for the Giants' offense, probably. Um, and it seems like Brian Dable is making a concerted effort to get Waller the ball. He's running over the last three weeks. He's running 50% more routes than he did in the first three games. Last two weeks, 19 targets, including seven from Tyrod Taylor last week, including that attempted game-winning touchdown throw that should have been a touchdown, but it was and it was pass interference, but he didn't call pass interference. Anyway, it hasn't all materialized to fantasy points yet. You can't trade him away because you're trading at the lowest possible value for Darren Waller. You could even make a case maybe that we trade for him because we think he's a good player at a uniquely low value. Um, and we're just going to hope he gets better because if he gets this much volume, that it's gonna the numbers have to come along. Have to. I mentioned, Charge, before that I got JT 69th overall. Nice. He's finally back into the fold. Uh, snap yeah. count still limited. What do you do with yeah. JT? At what point can we like just confidently start him? And is Zach Moss the fly in the ointment all year? Oh, God. Yeah, I see. That's a great question. And I, the answer looks like yes. So, you know, A, Moss has been legitimately good. So, I mean, you know, so that's part of it. And I think the other thing is this new contract actually works against him being a workhorse because they've got another viable guy to keep the carry count on Taylor relatively low so that he is still viable in year two and year three of that extension that he got. So I think we're going to see a two-headed work uh, work uh, flow for the most of the rest of the season, assuming they're both healthy. Gross. But this week in particular, now we got Cleveland. This thing's brutal. I mean, Cleveland's defense is insane. This is such a great defense. They're giving up the sixth fewest rushing yards per game. They're allowing the tenth fewest touchdowns to opposing running back. Um, this is a it's a really tough spot here, and you know, divide that running load up both ways and. I don't love it. I got Jonathan Taylor as running back 22, but even that feels, honestly, a little bit optimistic here. Uh, Paul, the uh, Bears secondary isn't very good when they're healthy, and right now they're all beat up, and this week they right. get the Raiders. But Devontae Adams hasn't got the targets the last two weeks. He's upset. He's talking about nope. it. And you look at his receiving yards, 68-and-a-half. You have a backup quarterback with Brian Hoyer. Uh, in fantasy purposes and in props, you know, what do you do with Devontae Adams right now? Do you stay away, or is it a guy that you want to target against the Bears this week? Well, see, we what we're not clear on, and they complained openly to the public about his usage, and I don't blame him because they're yeah. barely throwing to him, right? And we know that at some level of superstardom, the squeaky wheel does get the grease, and that he's at that level, so he probably does. But the X factor here is this shoulder injury that he's had since he suffered the so shoulder injury in week four. He's only seen nine total targets 
since then. That's it. And so, you know, what we don't know on the outside is how much is that shoulder limiting him to the point that Josh McDaniels doesn't feel like he can trust a lot of balls going his way. And obviously the Hoyer thing's not great. Um, the Bears used to be a get-right defense, but they've been better lately. They got Jalen Johnson back, their star cornerback. He's back now. Eddie Jackson's expected back. So I'm still a little bit lukewarm, and I'm cautious on Devontae Adams. Normally a top-five receiver for me. I've got him graded out at wide receiver 16 this wow. week. Church, still got about 90 seconds or so here. That Sunday night game, Dolphins and Eagles, I mean, uh, fingers yeah. crossed that it's the matchup that we hope it's going to be, right? And we don't get one of those letdown mm. blowouts like we've had in a lot of these standalone primetime games. But, I mean, listen, two five and one teams, a lot of offense. The total's at 51 and a half in that. Who or maybe multiple names do you look at and say they're in a really good matchup in this game? Well, you know, I still love Tyreek Hill. And, mm. you know, there might be, you might be tempted to go, ah, oh, yeah, it's Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Those guys aren't as good this year. They're they're not as good, flat out. And maybe part of it is also that, you know, they've had safety issues. Blankenship's been out the whole season, and he's going to miss this game as well or is expected to miss this game. So maybe that's part of it as well. The Eagles are actually bottom 10 in yards, receptions, and touchdowns to wide receivers. So, to me, it's still game on for Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. I'm starting those guys like I normally would. Uh, Tua, obviously, same thing. You know, the guy that I think is really fascinating out of this is DeAndre Swift. Mm -hmm. You know, Philadelphia's offensive line is obviously elite. No doubt, right? Miami, they're ranked 27th in run stuff win rate. That's not great, and that gives an opportunity here for you know another Philadelphia big running game for DeAndre Swift. It's just the always catch on DeAndre Swift, of course, is anything near the goal line is going to their quarterback, so you can't count on touchdowns. That's that's the frustrating thing, and only 10 carries for 18 yards last week after 17 for 70 against the uh, Rams before that. Paul Charging, mm -hmm. always good, good to talk to you, man. We always appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great talking to you. Bye-bye. Man, I cannot wait for that Sunday night game, too. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, there's certain ones oh, you just yeah. look at the calendar, you look on the the schedule, and you go, oh, God. A lot of sharp money on the Eagles. Yeah, a Don't lot. Don't like it. It feels like a bounce-back spot after what happened last week, no. but, I mean. Keep can, proving them wrong, can that, Dolphins. Can that Dolph or can that Eagles offense keep up with Miami? That's the thing. I know that Miami's, de Miami's defense is not something you can depend on, that's for sure. I just hope it's a good game. Yeah. Not like the last time I got excited for Sunday Night Football. I know. Stop it. It's, 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 it's mean. These standalone games. Hey, that's mean. Absolutely. I love the Eagles. I bet you do. I also love JMU tonight. Uh-oh. Marshall moving it's the ball right, right now. We are Marshall. <laughs> Jordan John is CBS Sports going to join us next.
Now, back to Bet MGM Tonight. Here are Nick Ashu, Trista Crick, and Ryan Horvath on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet MGM. 30 minutes away from kickoff. Got the Saints near strong defense, and then Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, who suddenly have a defense, and now we're sitting here questioning quarterbacks more than anything else. It's a weird time. Weird time in the NFL. Feel like, uh, you know, offenses are a little bit different, guys. Offenses have been very, very up and down this season. In fact, and we get some. We got. You saw some today, right? There's offense down like twelve percent or something like that. Yeah, it feels like it too. Yeah, I mean, feels like the Dolphins are the only one holding us down. You know, the people who like points. Ryan probably hates points. He seems like he's just like a defensive guy. Me? You know, yeah, you just like unders. No, no, that's yeah. not true. I like points. I mean, I'm just messing around. Just not in these like primetime <laughs> spots. I like unders, but no, I like. That's why I like college football. Yeah. I mean, you want points? points watch points, LSU points, every points. week. I, they've had eleven Oregon. straight games go over the total. And you Trent. probably should That's continue to do that again. Continue to bet it every single time yeah. with LSU. Just yeah, every that, that is actually a trend, that, That's a trend that I will continue to play because they can score a bunch of points and their defense is, is outside the top 100 in every major category. Sometimes trends are also Including just tackling. stats, you know, and history. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you really need. All right, let's bring on Jordan Dejani, CBS Sports. And I, I want to start with this Trevor Lawrence decision to get out there and play. I know you're not a doctor, Jordan. I know you didn't look at his knee. But your thoughts on the fact that in a short week and a knee injury for Trevor Lawrence, we're going to see him tonight for the Jags against the Saints. Yo, yo, my friends, what's going on? Thank you for having me on the show. I am excited for this thrilling matchup we got on tap Thursday night football, Jaguar Saints. Obviously, we're all expecting a ton of points to be scored in this matchup. <laughs> no, when it comes to Trevor Lawrence, as you mentioned, it's true that I am not a doctor, but I mean, his injury doesn't sound as serious as some of the other ailments that other quarterbacks around the NFL have suffered, such as Justin Fields with that thumb injury where he has trouble gripping the ball. I'm fine with trotting out Trevor Lawrence on a short week. He was a limited participant in practice on both Tuesday and Wednesday. And, in fact, I'll point back to last year. If you remember, Trevor Lawrence suffered what was an ankle-slash-toe injury against the Detroit Lions and then didn't practice for the majority of the week, came right back, traveled to Nashville, took on the Tennessee Titans, and threw three touchdowns en route to a double-digit victory. So this injury to me doesn't sound too serious. I'm not shocked at all to see him taking the field tonight. All right, so the Patriots obviously have been a mess. Uh, I think they've only covered one time this year. They go up against the Bills in Foxborough. Bill Belichick, now there's a bunch of rumors that he could be on the hot seat what are you doing here? Is there a number that exists that allows you to put your hard-earned money on the New England Patriots? No, I can't see a situation where I want to back the Patriots at all. At the most, it would be a non-play for me. But uh, I do a weekly gambling column over at CBSSports.com, and I actually made the Buffalo Bills at minus 8.5 a, a best bet for me entering this week. As far as Bill Belichick goes, you know, it's interesting because he's an NFL legend, right? Arguably the best head coach in NFL history. And all of us assumed that he would be able to make his make decisions about his future on his own accord, right? Well, according to The Athletic, it doesn't seem like Robert Kraft is in alignment with that narrative, right? It seems like that Bill Belichick is indeed on the hot seat, and who knows if uh, he'll make it through the year. I know that's absolutely wild to say when it comes to Bill Belichick. But as far as this matchup, it, it, it seems like the furthest thing from a get-right spot for the Patriots at home. You have a very angry Bills team who uh, dropped the game to the Jaguars. They might as well lost that game against the New York Giants. That was a really tough game to watch. This Bills offense has not been on the same page. The defense suffered several key injuries. At minus 8.5, I'm going to go ahead and lay those points. I think that the Bills 
Um, you know, as you mentioned, they have a better record against the spread. I think they're the better team in general. It seems like the Patriots, it, they just keep getting worse and worse week after week. And it's sad to see as an NFL fan. So, yeah, give me the Bills on Sunday. Uh, Jordan, game of the week is probably going to be Dolphins-Eagles. Eagles, Eagles 2.5-point favorites. The total in the game, 51.5. Eagles suffered their first loss last week. What are you doing here? You know, I, it's hard for me to ever go against the Dolphins. I, I think Mike McDaniel has just turned this team into he, – he's turned Hard Rock Stadium into a dance club is the way I described it over at CBSSports.com. I mean, they lead, the, they lead the league in basically every offensive statistical category, whatever you want to call it. I love what they do in the passing game. I love what they do in terms of being creative in play calling for the run as well. You know, defensively, maybe there's a couple questions. We saw them go down 14-0 to to Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers in the first quarter. Naturally, they're able to rebound and reestablish control of that game. But against the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, this is a legitimate NFC contender. We're very aware of that. They have all the pieces necessary on the offensive side of the ball. But my eye immediately goes to the defensive side of the ball. I think that Howie Roseman and the Eagles need to be buyers at the trade deadline when it comes to bolstering that secondary. That's the key matchup I'm looking at in this game is how is Tyree Kill going to fare against this secondary that's given up a lot of yards? Uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on. I, again, I, I find it really hard for me to bet against Mike McDaniel. He's my favorite coach in the NFL. I understand why you want to put the Dolphins as underdogs in Philly, but I'm going to go ahead to take the Dolphins 29-26, to a three-point victory here in Week 7. I mean, first off, Mike McDaniel is probably the greatest quote and the best to watch at a podium right now, so I'm right there with you. He's probably everybody's favorite coach at this point. Unless, of course, well, you don't like the Dolphins, and that's a whole other thing. Talking to Jordan Dejani, bet MGM tonight. Uh, sticking with that game, Eagles-Dolphins, uh, Jalen Hurts has been under a microscope really his entire career. I think we understand you're a starting quarterback in the NFL for a team like the Eagles. That's going to be the case. You get to the Super Bowl last year. We watched that offense really take a big leap, and now you've got a new offensive coordinator, and it feels like... There's a little bit of regression with that offense and with Jalen Hurts a little bit. When you watch, when you've seen everything that you've seen from the Eagles so far, does it feel like that offense is just kind of adjusting to a new coordinator, even though it's pretty much the same system? Or does it feel like there's maybe a little bit of regression in the passing game, the ability to throw the football the way that he does it in Jalen Hurts? I'm glad you brought this up. I think that they are definitely missing Shane Steichen up to a point. And this is something I talked about in the offseason. If you go back a couple of years ago when the Eagles were able to rebound with Jalen Hurts as their starting quarterback and make the postseason where they lost to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, there was a shift in play calling, if you remember, right? Nick Sirianni gave up play calling duties up to Shane Steichen. And what happened? The Eagles started hitting the ground running. They started being the Eagles that we've come to know and love. Now that he's no longer part of the organization and he's had relative success with the Indianapolis Colts when Anthony Richardson was still on the field, um, you know, you saw what he was capable of in terms of scheming up for the offensive side. But as for the Eagles, man, I really just think it comes down to taking care of the ball. If Jalen Hurts can just take care of the ball, the Eagles are going to be okay. He's already thrown more interceptions in six games than he did all of last season. So I do think that they're missing Stike, and I do think that they are, are certainly missing a key element when it comes to what that offense was operating with in 2022. But I'll also say this. I think a lot of people were expecting some regression from the Philadelphia Eagles coming off of the magical season they had in 2022, where they were the NFC champions. They made it through week eight, week nine, whatever it was, being undefeated. I think a lot of people were expecting them to, to regress a little bit. But that doesn't mean that they are not contenders in the NFL, that they are not contenders in the NFC. I, I still think that they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And again, we're only one-third of the way through the year, so this team definitely has some time to figure things out. 
But you're right. The Eagles are definitely not the Eagles they were last year. Let's talk about this Lions-Ravens matchup because I think the Lions are very for real. Um, obviously one of the trendiest teams in all of the NFL to bet on, and they continue to cash for public bettors. Um, but Jared Goff continues to have a reputation for not playing well in, in bad weather outdoors. Uh, Lamar is, has an insane record uh, straight up against NFC teams. Like, How are you attacking this game? I got to tell you, if it's not Dolphins-Eagles, then this is definitely the game of the week. I think that the Lions and Ravens are absolute contenders. And, I mean, look at the Ravens. I feel like they're kind of underrated up to a point here, right? I think we have to remember that they're working in a new offense, and there were certainly evident growing pains through the first few weeks of the regular season. But statistically, Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball as well as he ever has. Zay Flowers looks like he's an up-and-coming star. Um, they, they still have a top-five rushing attack despite being without J.K. Dobbins. And then the main point I have is that they have a top-two defense in the NFL statistically. Through six weeks, I think they allowed 260.8 yards per game. Roquan Smith has been an absolute force on the second level. I really like this Ravens team, and I, I, would, I think that we should buy stock in them right now because it's very possible that this offense hits the ground running as we progress through the, these uh, second stages of the regular season. Now, as for the Detroit Lions, I've been kind of hesitant to jump on their bandwagon, but I have no choice right now. They've gone 13-3 and since week nine of last season. Only the 49ers and Chiefs have better records over that span. And, you know, one of my colleagues, Will Brinson, said something great on the Pick 6 podcast this week. He said that if the Lions were wearing different uniforms, like if they were trotting out in Cowboys uniforms on Sunday, then we'd be talking about this team as one of the best in the entire NFL. So when it comes to attacking this game, I, I can't help but find myself backing the Detroit Lions. I know that they're going to be without David Montgomery, and we've all been awaiting that breakout performance from the rookie running back, Jameer Gibbs. It could come this week. I know I talked about the Ravens having a very stout defense. No doubt about that. But Jameer Gibbs is a versatile weapon um, that I think coordinator Johnson can really game plan around. So I'm backing the Lions here. Really excited for this one. I think it's the game of the week. You know, I'm uh, uh, unfortunately a Packer fan. I say unfortunately because I'm not a believer in Jordan Love just yet or Matt LaFleur just yet when he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. How do you feel about – what do you think about this uh, Broncos-Packers game because it's pretty much a pick, and Denver has not looked good. They let the Dolphins hang 70 on them, but yet they're still only one-and-a-half-point dogs, actually one-point dogs in this game. If you had to pick a side, who would you go with, the Broncos or the Packers? And You know, how are you feeling about Green Bay and Jordan Love here early on? So I actually made the Packers this week a best bet against the Denver Broncos. And it's true that they've struggled as of late. I think Green Bay averaged 31 points per game in weeks one through two. And now they've averaged just 17 points per game over the last three weeks. And Jordan Love, of course, he, he started off really strong, right? 300-plus passing yards, three passing touchdowns the first couple weeks. And things have just gotten worse ever since the beginning of the season, right? He had zero touchdowns, three interceptions in that ugly loss to the Raiders. But Green Bay is coming off of its bye week, and they could be set for a breakout game. So that's why I made the Packers a best bet this week. The Broncos, they're allowing 33.3 points per game, 440 total yards per game, both of which rank most in the NFL. And they actually did have a solid performance against the Chiefs, if you remember. But the offense repaid them by completely falling apart while Kansas City coasted to an easy victory, covered the number in that matchup as well. Plus, you have to keep in mind that the trade deadline is just like 12 days away, and the one team that has been reported to be serious sellers 
are the Denver Broncos. I think that noise is very capable of seeping into the locker room. I think the Broncos could be sellers on both sides of the ball later this month. So even though this game's at home, they're facing a Packers team that I think is better than they've shown over the past couple of weeks. Again, they, they were able to get that reset with the bye week. I think the Packers are a good bet this week. Yeah, it's clear Sean Payton came in and said, oh, God, I really got to fix this thing up real quick. Daddy's Jordan Dejani, CBS Sports. <laughs> Always good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks, Jordan. You guys are the best. Appreciate y'all. Jordan's great. Yeah, it's uh, if, if you're looking for uh, maybe a wide receiver or somebody, any, just call up the Broncos and say, hey. Go what, get Jerry what, Judy. What you got? We'll take somebody. I want him, though. I, Go get he, Cortland Sutton. He feels like a guy that's going to be a bust. All right, we are going to be about 20 minutes away from kickoff next. It's BetMGM tonight. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL.